So that critical thinking of kind of think, figuring out what's the problem you're trying to solve and working back from that and bringing the tech in to deliver that problem. So the tech or and or the talent. So you want to think about the combination between tech and touch and tech and talent. This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast where we talk to HR innovators about all things people leadership. If you're looking for places to find about new ways to think about the world of work, this is the podcast for you. Please subscribe from your favorite podcast listening platform today and leave us a review. Rebel on, HR Rebels. Hello, Rebel HR community. Welcome back for our podcast this week. Really excited for this conversation. This is going to be super fun, and I think it might be uh, some things that we have not discussed much on this podcast. So really excited to dig into this. With us today, we have Marcus Sawyer. Marcus is the founder and CEO at EQ Community. He spent the last 15 years climbing from the front line to executive of a Fortune 500 company focused on online recruitment and digital transformation, along with notable Microsoft Services executive board position. Uh, We're going to be talking about a lot of different things. Uh, but first, I want to start off by welcoming you to the show. Thanks, Marcus, for being here. Thanks for having me, Carl. Appreciate it. Really excited for the conversation today. Um, and, you know, we've, we, I, I always regret not hitting record right when I meet someone on this podcast because we were already just starting to dig into some really exciting topics. Uh, before we get there, though, uh, you, have, you have had a really interesting career. Uh, you have relocated and lived in different countries. I'd like to understand a little bit about what brought you where you are today in your career. Sure. I'll give you the mid version, right? So so I'll save you, spare your listeners for the long version, but I basically like, I suppose most people, whether it's recruiting or HR kind of fell into that space. I actually had a sports background. So in London, I was playing uh, professional sports and I had a scholarship, decided to get a job in a gym because I thought that I could continue basically learning my craft of sports and get a job in the gym, but they didn't have any typical gym jobs. So then I got into sales and I don't know if anybody knows or have ever worked in the gym, but going out in the street and trying to get people into the gym in the early 2000s when no one was interested in, in doing that, it's kind of a, a little bit of a graft. So you don't make a ton of money. And I saw this sales job advertised, uh, ironically, in online for the first time. And it was a company called careerbuilder.com. And I applied for it. I was underqualified, but they needed some cold callers. So I came in and got the job and started cold calling. And I eventually like stayed there for a total of 10 years and got promoted every year and became director for Europe for the staff and recruiting division, which means I was working with staff and recruiting companies, helping them get access to online. So we were disrupting the newspapers at the time because everyone was doing their ads in newspapers. So we kind of moved from into that world. And then after that, I one of my clients, which happened to be a large Fortune 500 company, the Adeco Group, um, had said that they're doing a digital transformation. I said, oh, fantastic. Um, let's see how we can help you. And he was like, no, I, I think you could do it. I said, what do you mean? He said, yeah, we've got 30,000 employees. Um, we need a global head of digital innovation. And the chief sales officer for the whole group said, I think you can do it. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I said, okay. So I went through a process. I thought, you know what? This process is pretty long. 
because I met like 10 different people, but I thought at least I'm going to get different sales leads and, and get deeper into the org. So it was like a nine month process. And I got the job as being global head of digital innovation for the largest staffing company in the world. And I'd done that for five years, traveled the world, bought, built and invested in HR tech companies and scanned the market. And yeah, that was kind of my, my start of the journey. And then decided once I moved out to the US to found and set up my own business focused on diversity and inclusion. So digital and diversity has been my background. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I remember those career builder days. Uh, <laughs> that, at, at one point, that was kind of the only game in town. Um, and uh, yeah, so you, you were you were building that right when that was coming, coming yeah. into uh, being. So that's cool. Yeah, we've got we've got quite a strong alumni. Everyone jokes around the, about the career builder mafia because everybody who used to work for career builder and HR is somewhere. And we had these cool Super Bowl ads at the time before like board ape yacht club we had the apes on the super bowl ads everybody knew who career builder was and uh yeah it was pretty cool it was a good good company to work for good culture a lot of fun that's cool very cool so i want to dive right into it you know i i think um and and you already mentioned this you know there's really there's really two areas that that we wanted to focus on today and in the the d and d as you described it the diversity and 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 digital um so why don't we start with um, first of all? Let's let's start with diversity. Um, you know, as as you think about the organizations that you've supported, uh, your customers, your clients, uh, what is your perspective on on companies' approaches to diversity in the past, and where our approach needs to be going forward? Absolutely. So it's a huge topic. It's a topic that touches many people in different ways, dependent on, I suppose, where you're coming from, so your background and also maybe where you live. And that means that it needs to be tackled with nuance. My, my experience after seeing multiple organizations, companies, and the way that they operate has been that really diversity acts as a superpower when you harness it and with a sports background, great sports teams get that, right? So if you're playing in a, like not everybody can play in the same position on a sports team. Not everyone can play point guard. You need different types of skills. And inside an organization, it's been proven that if you can get that team together and let's say we're all sitting around a, a boardroom table, right? We're trying to identify this object that's in the middle of this table. So we're looking at this object but it's got multiple sides. And the only way we can understand what the object is or how it's going to work is by getting everybody's perspective. So the diversity of thought, as well as race, gender, color, ethnicity, is super important. But what that brings is you come from a different perspective. And when you harness that, it gives you superpowers. But the challenge is, is bringing all of those diverse mentalities into one one room and getting stuff done right and that comes down to the culture of the organization yeah so i'd like to dig into that a little bit more because i do i think everybody who's listening to this is probably shaking their head up and down yeah it it can be a superpower um you know and i think uh there's a lot of you know there's there's a lot of organizations that are doing a great job kind of showcasing diversity within their organization. 
but I'm, I, I think many of us still struggle with how do we actually address that challenge of bringing that diversity into an organization and then, and then allowing that superpower to actually shine. Right. Um, many times it's, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a compliance initiative or it's a marketing initiative, but it, it right. doesn't necessarily trickle into, you know, our tr- truly trickle into our culture, um, without, without some really intentional actions. So a- as you look at that and you think about the work that you do, um, at, at EQ community, how do you, how do you address that? How do you really kind of build that, uh, that, that culture to, to truly harness that superpower? Yeah, so so we started EQ Community um, based on the fact that, as I mentioned, I, I kind of got to a point where I was at the top of organizations. I looked around, I saw less and less people that looked like me or even had any perspective like me, which is fine. But when you see nobody at all, um, you start to question that. And I was in a position where I had the opportunity to work with some private equity firms and venture capital firms. And what they realized is that if they're fast-growing companies that they are now seeding, investing, and trying to scale do not have access to diverse talent, it's going to be super challenging for them to operate in a global market. So that's like the macro level. So we built out these diversity pledges. So you're right. so let's get a bit more practical. Right? What do you actually do? There's one thing of having a pledge. Then you have somebody that's going to support that pledge. So this is what, what companies do. They'll, they'll write out something, like you said, market material. Then they maybe hire somebody and they'll put somebody on top of that and they'll do one or two things. They'll isolate that person, give them no budget so they can't do anything. Or it would have come top down and bottom up and they'll start driving things forward. One of the best examples of companies that have been super diverse um, for a long period of time and they've got leaders at every single level and every time I've interacted with them. And they're not a client of ours or anything. It's just a company I've interacted with and seen as American Express. They've got diverse talent at every single level. So the challenge for HR, in my opinion, is you're almost trying to keep the ship moving yourself day to day, and you're trying to make sure that the organization is well-oiled, well-drilled. And I'm saying that my sister's in HR as well, right? But then you've got to think longer term. And then you're trying to change a culture completely. Where does that culture come from? A lot of the time, it comes from the top. And we'll say that it's bottom up, um, but it is. It comes from the top, and then you've got the. It comes from the bottom, and then in the middle is where the bottlenecks are. So if you've got people that want to do things around DEI inside your organization, harness that. And it was and it's the same for digital, right? People want to do innovation, and then it gets messy. You get shadow IT, you get all of these different things that people are working on, and you can't control it. But I think giving people a framework to work in and crowdsourcing those ideas inside of your organization and bringing people along the journey is really a key way to drive it. And you've got to see it like as a priority. Again, it's not a box ticking exercise. Like genuinely, if you look at teams, you do not have people playing in the same positions. Number one, you do not have people from the exact same backgrounds. You're just trying to win. So in HR, are you trying to win or are you trying to keep your job? <laughs> two different things. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, yeah, that, that I really like how you put that. Are you trying to win or are you trying to keep your job? And I can honestly say that um, sometimes when you see 
people at organizations, that's a valid question, right? You know, I, I think it's, and I, I, so often I think about it's the context of, it's like the people that are trying to win are trying to drive positive change, culture change, do some of the things you, you mentioned, top down and bottom up diversity, equity and inclusion. And then you've got people that are just trying not to get sued. Yeah. Right? Like they're yeah. afraid of lawsuits, right? And those are the people that they're, they're just trying to keep their job, right? They don't want the CEO calling them and saying, Hey, why are we getting, why did we get this lawsuit notice or something along those lines? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know what, Carl, as well, like there's a role for that in teams, right? You need defenders, sure. you need defense, but if that's your culture, don't expect to innovate. And I would also argue that a lot of those companies that are thinking in that way are probably not innovating from a digital standpoint. That's mm-hmm. why a couple of digital and diversity. Are you thinking about how you can be better and how you can perform um, irrespective of just the status quo? And then, but you've got to weigh up the risk. It's like, well, if I do that, then what? Right. Um, and how bold do you want to be? And what I tell you is longer term, it will serve you much better. Short term, you're going to have some challenges, right? Because you're, you're going to feel like you're driving an uphill battle. But you'll find rebels that will also want to do this and also want to drive things forward, right? And that's what I suppose this is about. <laughs> hey, th- thanks for working Rebels in. That was nice. Yeah, Nicely yeah. done. I can, tell, I, I, t- I can tell you've been in sales. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got a text message from you earlier, so I'll make sure I worked with you. <laughs> So, just so everybody knows, we didn't plan that, but you know, Marcus is clearly he—he he is very suave with with the uh, with the placement there. Um, but but all kidding aside, I I think that's a really powerful connection, and I I do I kind of feel like it's kind of the same equation, right? It's like you know if you're open to diversity, you're probably a change agent. You probably are looking to get better, and you, if your organization is supportive of diversity from the top down. I guarantee you that your, your senior leadership team is, is probably aligned uh, with that thinking as well. Um, and so often I'll find like when I'm, when I'm recruiting a candidate, um, candidates want that too. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, you know, their, their experience and, and in just even in just getting hired and how digitally, uh, forward thinking that experience was for them, that matters. Absolutely. I've had candidates who are like, yeah, I don't, I don't, your website's a mess. I don't know if I want to work at a company where you, you know, your website sucks so bad. I mean, it happens. <laughs> I, I, I heard that just yesterday, actually, again, they, and we'd had to say, no, 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 don't worry about that. The company is actually amazing. But yeah. It's your shop window. <laughs> and, and I think that's what we forget. So if we all had a, a store or a shop and we're selling items, we're not our, our shop window is not going to look a mess, right? Because we're out on the front line. We're going to take pride. We're going to sweep outside. We're going to make sure that it looks good and it feels good because we want to entice people into it. And that's what luxury brands do. And you, you you do see this. And so we're talking about being a bit more offensive. And so how can HR be innovative and offensive when typically the mindset of HR is to protect and be defensive? And and maybe that's in the composition of your team within HR. Maybe you are the one that's defensive, but you hire someone offensive and you work together in tandem in your team. And I've started to see that work as well because it opens up your mind and then you start to change things and you can support them and how to operate in that environment. Because, yeah, okay, like the reality of it is 
people do want to keep their jobs. So let's just say that's a, a baseline, right? But then the next level is how do you then progress to the next level? Because I always feel like if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not growing, you're going to only keep your job for a certain period of time until somebody else comes up behind you if you haven't moved things forward. So thinking about like the the next steps are always important, even if you can't execute them on, on them right now, but really being deliberate about how you drive the next steps forward outside of day to day, I think is it's super interesting. You've got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time, as they say. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I, you know, the world I, I came up with in HR, I've, I've worked for those organizations where HR was, was on the offense. And then I've worked for those organizations where HR was on the defense, you know, d- the, defending the goal line. Um, and that's it. And I, I definitely, I, I tend to lean more on the offensive side of the, of the, uh, um, coin for sure. Um, I want to dive into that that word digital a little bit because I think you know so often you know you see it in the HR tech space where it's like there's this you know there's this this tool and it's and it's a it's a piece of tech software. It looks really cool. It gives you a flashy you know maybe you get a flashy dashboard, at, but but it's it's really something that still requires you know hr to take some level of action right like so like just getting a tool doesn't necessarily make you make you better or make you good in the digital space um and and digital means so much right so so as you look at as you look at digital um in the context of human resources what are some of the what are some of the things that you're seeing where digital is actually really enabling the business change that needs to occur. Yeah. So the way I think about digital and again, diversity, but I'll go back to digital is you've got organizations that are digital by default and you have organizations that are diverse by default and organizations that are digital by default are generally tech companies because their business revolves around them having a solution where they can serve their customers through technology and whether that's through online. And we talked earlier, Carl, right? You're a manufacturing. So there'll be some, I imagine in that process of whether we call it digital or not, but there's been a lot of automation that's taken place in manufacturing over the years, right? To get more effective and more efficient. And manufacturing is, is actually the cornerstone, I think, for a lot of automation and digital, generally speaking. And why you decide to change your processes of manufacturing is probably because you can be more effective in delivering that good at a faster pace, at a higher quality. And so how do you think about that with inside HR? I always like to think through what I call high-frequency, high-volume, highly repetitive tasks. So an example of that, maybe and it it depends on how you want to move the needle so let's think about internally first but an example of that might be you might get these canned questions that happen all the time from multiple employees and you don't and you'll need a place to direct them in order to do that so that could be a website it could be a chatbot it could be something where you've taken that knowledge that you already have and put it in a place so people can access it on demand that will save you time internally if you do that Externally, I think the digital transformation piece for HR, which is really interesting, is thinking about the talent. So when 
hiring managers come to you and they may want to hire somebody. Let's just talk about, let's say in the metaverse. And when I say metaverse, let's say blockchain engineers. I know there are big financial institutions right now that are hiring blockchain engineers. I know for a fact that there are HR professionals that had no idea what the skill set of those blockchain engineers are because they haven't been up on it, which is fine. And and probably even the hiring managers have read an article, they've seen something, and then the CEO said, right, we need to do this metaverse thing, digital transformation. I want somebody to go deep in it. You've got a maverick innovation person in that unit, understands it deeply, but they haven't brought everybody along the journey. So I think with digital, taking a real interest in how those innovators are buddying up with them is really important. Like, can you spend, like, what if you've got somebody who's innovation in your organization, just have a weekly one-to-one with them because they'll be interested to tell you all the stuff that they're learning. And then you'll be the second point person on that and you'll know how to drive things forward. So talent is absolutely key and understanding the type of talent you're going to bring in the organization. And then there's automation internally that you may be able to drive. Absolutely. I, I agree a hundred percent. I think, you know, the, um, my, my approach has always been, listen, the, the, you know, the tech is great. Right? I love, I love automating a process and then never having to think about it again. And that frees up your mind to think about the bigger problems. Like how do I address middle management's approach to diversity? Cause that's where we're falling short. Or, you know, how do I, how do I improve this process so that it's more effective for an onboarding experience and, and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, so externally, I think this is this is getting uh, you know pretty fascinating. First of all, you know, um, you used a great example of a position that hasn't existed, uh, you know, ten years earlier. You know, blockchain, blockchain engineer. Well, what what is that? Is that somebody doing Legos? You know, like, right. like ten years ago, that didn't exist, right? So it's right. it's like that's a great example of like HR is being asked to go find these people. And, and and ten years ago it didn't exist, and then they want somebody with ten years experience, the hiring manager. Right? No, fifteen preferably. Fifteen, yeah, fifteen. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and, and so so figure that out. We're like we need five and fifteen years experience. So I think part <laughs> of that in keeping up on it is being able to manage those expectations as well, right? Yeah. Internally and and showing that you know and it's it's work. Um, but if you take an interest in tech or you're interested in efficiency, and maybe it's not tech, but thinking about efficiency. So I, I was thinking as we were just talking, if you couple digital transformation with critical thinking, you, you, you put yourself in a much better position to really understand that what is going to have a significant impact versus what is just a point solution? Because you're talking about tools. And I agree, so many tools out there. And I remember when I first started doing innovation <laughs> within a deco group, I'd see all these companies and I'm like, wow, this one's amazing. This one's amazing. This one's amazing. Now I'm, I'm fairly optimistic. So you, you, you kind of get, pro- then you get hard into it. It's like, I've just seen a hundred of these same types of tools that say they can do the same service and it's not necessarily going to move the needle. So that critical thinking of kind of think, figuring out what's the problem you're trying to solve and working back from that and bringing the tech in to deliver that problem. So the tech or and or the talent. So you want to think about the combination between tech and touch and tech and talent. I love that. 
uh, you know, and, and I think about it, you know, the, I think about it in the context of, like you said, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Well, one of the biggest problems that all of us in HR are trying to solve right now is making sure we have enough time and making sure we can focus on the right things, right? And so in that context, if that's the problem you're trying to solve, why wouldn't you go out and find something that can save you two hours a week in administrative, repetitive tasks that could be, you know, maybe maybe you need to digitize your training program so that you just click one button and then somebody's enrolled in all the trainings that need to be enrolled in instead of sitting there and clicking through all the individual trainings. Like that legit happens, right? <laughs> like, oh, here's yeah. my list of all the trainings I got to enroll people in. Like maybe maybe you go spend $1,000 for a, a software engineer to build a piece of software that just does it for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I was just going to agree with you. And I think you, you actually asked the question in that was uh, why is it not done? But it's time, right? It's yeah. time. It's headspace. And then you think through it, it's like, well, is it going to be worth it? And you're like, oh, no, I, I need to get this report done by tomorrow anyway, so I'm just going to do exactly. it myself. So maybe you just have, uh, like, some more practically, you've got one or two projects. You sit down and say, well, these are the projects that are taking the longest time. And and even working with the innovation team, if you've got someone who's like, hey, these things are taking me forever, do you think you could help me, like, digitalize these pieces? Because that would be super useful. Yeah. And then you work in tandem and there's an example and they get those projects done as well. And they've probably got budget in order to do that and trying to figure out new ways to make the organization drive forward. But I think partnering with the innovation teams is key. Absolutely. HR. Absolutely. One of my best, my, one of my best friends at work is on the IT team and she runs our intranet. And you know how many cool things you can do with a workflow and an idea? Like, you know, we, we've digitized every last thing that we can in the onboarding process so that all, all a hiring manager has to do now is, is enter in specific pieces of information. And then all of that information just flows to the people that need to know it. Yeah. It's as simple as that. It's really not that complicated. And, you know, I'm sitting, I was sitting here hitting my head against the wall, trying to figure out this problem. Like, I don't have time to do this. This is too time consuming, blah, blah, blah. Ended up striking up a conversation with this person and they're like, oh, we can do that. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a workflow? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, you know, just asking those questions and, and, and having those connections, it's, it's so, so critical. Um, and now my team is like, is, is much more effective because this stuff just happens. So I want to, in that vein, I want to talk about a couple things that I think some of our listeners might be familiar with. Some of our listeners might not be familiar with. And I think there's, there's like so many headlines out there. I want to kind of dive into the the kind of the digital landscape of the future. So, you know, there's a lot of terms out there. As we think about um, blockchain, Web3, metaverse, augmented reality, virtual reality, you know, I think um, there, there's a lot of stuff that's like just sounds cool, but it's, it's hard for many of us to get our, our head wrapped around. Okay, what's the actual application here? So... Um, so if we can take a step back and like, just kind of walk us through um, what some of these tools are. And I, I would say like, I just threw those terms out there. So you, you tell me what terms we need to know. <laughs> sure. You know, what should we be aware of? What's on the landscape? And how do you see that really impacting the world of, of HR and people leadership? What is your favorite brand, Kyle? Tell me two or three of your favorite brands. 
My favorite brands. Um, I like, uh, geez, I'm really not a brand guy. Um, let, let's, okay, I drive a Toyota. Okay. Um, I have uh, Hoka 1-1 running shoes and um, I don't know, shirts. I, I wear I wear a Hanes undershirt every day. How about that? Okay. And, <laughs> and, and so what I'm getting from that is like, functionality is important to you right yeah, that's accurate yeah yeah <laughs> the, the toyota is reliable the running <laughs> shoe the, the sturdy and the hanes feel soft and smooth right that, you got, it, that, you got okay. me pegged all right cool got it and, and so and, and so there's the functional side and then there are some like there are people that buy designer clothes they buy certain cars they buy like certain things and a lot of it is like based on um the brand and the brand holds something to it I think what we're what we're seeing in the world of the metaverse, let's say, and digital, let's say, digital goods, for instance, because there's, there's there's many areas. Is that you're seeing that brands are now leveraging pieces of real estate, if you want to call them digital real estate, information online at scale to really differentiate themselves and have people part of a club or a community based on being associated with that club. And I'm talking a little bit about NFTs, if anybody's like people are familiar with those. And a lot of people buy these NFTs to be part of a community or part of an online club. And the difference with um, being part of that club, and maybe there's another brand, maybe you uh, some people are part of country clubs and there are certain things they go there to connect with people. Mm. And so what you're starting to see with these NFTs is they're really creating these digital clubs that people can be part of. So how does that translate into HR and the world of work? You're starting to see that with employer brand and employer engagement. Nike recently bought a company um, that is focused on creating these digital sneakers. And I was looking the other day and the sneakers like are like $9,000 digital. <laughs> you, you, you don't get given them. So there's no functionality, Carl. So you're not you're not going to be able to run with them. Yeah, that doesn't speak yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But the fact that we're talking about it on the podcast right now, they've got an extra lift in their in their brand, right? And there's more and more podcasts or conversations that are happening because it's cool and it's innovative. And like you said around the website, you're starting to see that with digital, like you're starting to see that with digital goods. People have this affiliation and association with cool brands. So you're, you're seeing a lot in fashion, you're seeing a lot in the, also the other, and then there's a more functional aspect of it, is in music. And so any item where there can be a royalty, a smart contract can be leveraged to ensure that, hey, if, that resale value, if you create a good, let's say, let's say it's a piece of music or a piece of art or, it, or even like a physical good, if that gets sold again, you can automatically bake a royalty into that smart contract. So historically in the music industry, people have not, like the record labels have taken all the royalties, but now that individual can then give their fans the opportunity to buy and purchase. And then their number one fans can get wealthy off the fact that they supported this artist. So you're starting to see the way that might like brand is the big kernel and the way that compensation money is changing hands um for creations of work is really what's driving and this is all happening in a decentralized way 
So there's not one place or one person that is responsible for this. It's, like, it's, it's kind of bringing, it's like crowdsourcing steroids. Mm. No, I think it's, it's really fascinating to talk about. I still, it, it's a, it's still a little bit to kind of grasp, but I do think, I mean, as I think about like the, the world that we work in, like all, all the administration that we do, you know, how, how do we protect employee privacy? What, who's drafting the contract for this employee that's working in this region? Um, you know, how does someone actually want to get paid? You know, what form of currency, what, you know, um, are we going full Bitcoin payment? You know, whatever it is, like there's, there's just so many different areas that I feel like this could, um, touch us. But I think the one that's probably the most interesting and fascinating to me right now is that it's the community piece, right? It's the, it's kind of that, that feeling of being a part of something that's bigger than you. And really that's what we're talking about when we talk about building a culture, and building a brand and building a, like, a, you know, a work environment that people want to be in. And, and, you know, do you see that as a, as, as an opportunity, uh, for kind of future thinking companies like Nike to say, okay, you know, here, we've got these cool NFTs now here, use this to build a club of people with the same or similar type of NFT or here's an yeah. employee resource group driven by, driven by this. I, I, I mean, Am I on yeah, the right track yeah. there? Am I understanding this theory? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think community is a huge kernel. So hence the reason we have EQ community and we started with the community first because we believe that you can get more done with a, a group of people that have common interests. And what you, what you see with a lot of these brands, like big brands, is they have this community, Nike Writing Club and all these types of organizations, um, but, they, but it's hard to cultivate and bring people around it so they're using the metaverse and we started exploring with that with ergs and um, um kind of different platforms of ways to bring people together to reward folks so we actually dropped a couple of nfts recently to reward people in our community for referring folks into the community or attending at or attending events so now you've got this digital wallet and that digital wallet is public and people can see the events that you've attended to there may be some value in that in the future and you can use it's like sports cards People used to collect them at school and you're trading and swapping and changing these. And then in the future, those collector's cards become valuable. And But it's, it's a digital record and nobody can distribute uh, or dis, uh, they, nobody can dispute whether you had that sports card or not because in your digital wallet, there's a record there that's forever. And that brings you to become part of the community. And with tribal by nature, right? So we all want to be part of something. We all want to feel like we're doing something that's important. We want to feel like we're doing something special. And it gives you a way in order to validate and verify that. And back to your point around culture and being part of an organization, companies are using that to strengthen their employee brand. This is a cool company to work for because you're part of something special. And I'll give you a practical manufacturing example. There's a sportswear company recently done the same they, they basically created the sneaker and they had decided to crowdsource all of the ideas around the sneaker to develop sneakers so then it was a combination of like thousands of people developing this sneaker they've done that all through the blockchain so everybody had their input on this so guess what when it arrives at your house you feel like it's like part of you 
And so that brings that association. And then I see, kind of, I hate, like, did you get, did you get the new sneaker? That, like, was great. He's like, no, I missed it. Oh man, well, next time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it's kind of that, it's a little bit of that bit of camaraderie, a bit of culture and bringing that all together. And again, it's these common interests that you can bring people into from different backgrounds as well. And we do that inside EQ. We've got a crypto and NFT group. And so people are working completely different jobs, different levels. You've got software engineers there. You've got senior executives there. But they have this interest, so they then start to talk about this. And it brings people together as well. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of that around uh, building brand and especially employer brand as well. Absolutely. So cool. You know, you're saying that. I was thinking, um, you know, what what you know, here's one practical example of where an NFT would make perfect sense. And that would be training. Yeah. You know, every time you train someone, they get an NFT, they get a digital badge, and then that goes into your LMS. But then, oh, by the way, that's non-fungible. So they can take that with them anywhere they go. And you could validate that. And technically that could be something that becomes a future resume. For something, 100, right. 100%. You know, it's like there, there's so many different applications for something like that. That's fascinating. We, we started looking at this in 2016, actually. Like, so I was on the board at Microsoft Services for a, a piece, and they had a framework called the Coco Framework, where blockchain was being built. And we started exploring that around smart contracts. Um, the challenge was, it, it's like the, um, yeah, it's like it, it's it's sort of like the the plugs, right? The Apple plugs. Every time you go and plug something or buy a new Apple device, they've got a different plug socket or something to <laughs> put something into. Yeah, yeah. So, so everybody needs to get on the same hymn sheet on like what is going, what are going to be those tokens that you collect from a training standpoint for them to be validated in the external world. And so, thinking about those tokens and what they are, and if people all agree, it's a, you don't then have to then vet and verify the skills of those those folks because they're already there so i i I see that absolutely happening but then i think it's a people challenge of people agreeing in order to do that because everybody wants to be the one that delivers that type of token as well so some standards are going to be important yeah if you can just help me figure out if it's cardano or polka dot or uh or solana or some new you know that'd be great but uh (laughs) it's been fun you know it's it's been fascinating i i I mean this world is just it's kind of foreign it's almost like it's almost like a like learning a foreign language for me, but it's it's just really interesting to think about. You know, um, the things we're talking about today. I'm sure in ten years somebody's going to be like, huh, they didn't even see this coming, and they didn't know what they were talking about. But it's it. I just feel like this is just another example of kind of that disruption that is, it's going to change the way that you work. That's just the way it is, and and you got to be ready to adapt to it, right? Absolutely. If you stay curious, you got you got to collect the dots before you can connect the dots. So <laughs> I that love that. Easy. I love that. All right. Well, we are quickly coming to the end of our time together. Um, and I'm fascinated to hear your responses. So we're going to shift into the rebel HR flash round. So question number one, where does HR need to rebel? HR needs to rebel more with hiring managers that don't see diversity as a superpower. And really push those boundaries. Love it. I agree. I think that's you know that's where the rubber meets the road. That's also where the it's not just about hiring, right? That's the employee experience. That employee journey gets uh, you know gets much improved when you have managers that understand the the importance. Question number two: Who should we be listening to? 
I, I, I believe that just from a standpoint of getting information from multiple sources and then passing your own judgment is the way to make decisions. So I don't think you should leave anybody out of the conversation. I think you should be listening to the front line. You should be listening to the senior executives. And then if you're in the middle with an HR, you should be really curating that information and then coming up with a conclusion that is sound and reasonable. So I think information can come from all angles. Got it. Listen to the community, right? All right. Last question. How can our listeners connect with you? Easy to connect with me. It's my name, Marcus Sawyer, with two R's on on LinkedIn, the same on Twitter as well, even though I'm not super active on there. But if you're interested in learning more about DNI and um, that's something you want to drive, eq.community. And yeah, that's, that's a way to get in touch with me. Awesome. We'll have all that information in the show notes, you know, check it out. There's also, I'll, I'll put a plug in there. Marcus has some really great content out there. Um, and, uh, check out his NFTs. It's on the, uh, they they look pretty cool. So, um, really appreciate the time, Marcus, some really great stuff, kind of stretching our, our minds a little bit around what HR can be and how we can uh, innovate in the future. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Carl. Really appreciate it. All right, that does it for the Rebel HR Podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.